Welcome to Rise Up For You, a unique podcast dedicated to uplifting women in their day-to-day life. Through interviews with various experts on relationships, investing, self-worth, entrepreneurship, and more, this podcast is committed to spreading knowledge to all women. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Hi everyone, today we are talking with one of my mentors in business, Susie Johnson. She's going to give us some womanly tips on how to keep it classy in the workforce, how to keep your ego intact, and how to always get the mustard right. Rise up and enjoy this episode. Hi Susie, thank you so much for joining us today. For anyone that's unfamiliar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself in the professional world. Well, um, my professional career started when I was 21 years old, really. Um, I started as a company manager with Young Americans, and I was sent out on the road with uh, under the Columbia Artists touring contract with the Young Americans, and I was a company manager for them. So I was responsible in those days, a tour with Columbia Artists meant that you had a, a Greyhound bus, a, two trucks, and 55 performers, and I was responsible for those 55 performers, for transporting them, feeding them, housing them at a hotel, and the show. I wasn't responsible for the stage per se, but I was responsible for making sure that the show was produced daily to the quality level of what Columbia artists would put out on the road, and basically they were off-Broadway level shows and paid all the bills, was responsible for all the accounting if someone got hurt, had to feed them. And from that, uh, I worked very closely. Actually, let me take it one step back. When I was 16 years old, and I was a young American, my father would take me after school to the office of the young Americans so that I could learn. And I would go to the office, and I would, I was a good typist. So back then, there were not computers. There wasn't even a Xerox machine. It was a mimeograph machine. And I would type all the letters to request the hotels to book our stay for the tours for the Young Americans. And I got to watch and listen to incredible people that were running the Young Americans at the time, one of which went on to be uh, Michael Jackson, the performer Michael Jackson's original manager. So I worked under Jim Morey, who was the company manager for the Young Americans at the time. And then the business manager for the Young Americans was a woman by the name of Ruth Carpenter. And Ruth Carpenter went on to run television production at Paramount Pictures. So as I, at the age of them 21, was sent out on the road by the Young Americans, by the time I was about, I think I was about 25 years old maybe, 25, 26, um, she offered me a job at Paramount Pictures where I worked and assisted the president of television production at Paramount and his two men underneath him and the three of them were responsible for 17 television shows at Paramount Pictures, some of which in the likes of Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mark and Mindy, um, Star Trek, went back that far. Um, those three men that I worked for ran television production at Paramount Pictures. And what I got to learn from them, the two men underneath him actually were the 80s on the Ten Commandments and part of the Red Sea. So 
I was so blessed to be able to learn from such incredible professionals at Paramount Pictures, and I had that position for four years. Then I went to work on the back lot at Paramount Pictures, and what the back lot means is um, it's all of the back lot departments that basically construction-wise, special effects, paint, grip, electric, all of those departments that work for all of the productions, whether it be television or features, that department, you would have to, the production teams would have to call them to get all the work done. So I worked in that department for two years, and then I went freelance and became what they call a television production coordinator. And I was blessed. I was kept at Paramount for 32 years. And what I mean by that is in the freelance world, you get a job and you perform that job. And from from the time that, let's say, the television show starts until it ends, if you're lucky, of course, you're not fired, but you would be with that production for that length of time. Normally, when you're through with a show, you're kind of up for grabs and because you're freelance, you're union, but you're freelance. So you're not, many of my co-workers were not hired for the next show at Paramount. Let's say they got hired, got a phone call from Warner Brothers or Universal or one of the other studios offering them a job. Well, Paramount offered me job after job after job. I never uh, had to leave Paramount because they always had a job waiting for me. And there was no one else in Paramount Pictures um, freelance television production coordinator that had that resume at Paramount 32 years straight. So I'm pretty proud of it. After 32 years, I retired and I moved here to Michigan where um, for 40 years I produced the Young Americans Dinner Theater, which I started at the age of 21. And now, uh, being retired from Paramount, I work for the Young Americans, and I'm trying to build a campus that we do our dinner theater at in hopes that the Young Americans will have a place to produce eight weeks of summer programming. I'm very blessed. Very, very blessed. Yeah, very blessed. But So tell me a little bit, because you were so young when you started, and now in days, I mean, the 21-year-old, 25-year-olds, the majority of them, they can't even fathom having the responsibility that you had at that age that kickstarted your career. So what would you say was the key to success in the industry? What made you continuously get the the job from Paramount? What made you get the job at Paramount to begin with? What was what would you say was the key to your success? I would say the key to my success is I did not have an ego. I had pride in myself and my and my resume, but I was raised that If you put the ego in front of your capability and your uh, talent, many times, at least when you are behind the scenes, if you're the star, different story. But to do what I did when you are behind the scenes, you're doing production, you're always taking care of someone, you're always making something happen for a project or for someone. So therefore, you're taking care of those egos. You cannot have that ego. You have to, and the other thing I think that was very important at a very young age, my parents instilled in me the ethic, and also the young Americans, both the young Americans and my parents, uh, installed or instilled in me um, a hard work ethic where you don't stop. If you are given a project, you make sure you start it and you finish it. 
And you don't just give 100%. I always gave two to three to 400. I mean, the, the amount of work, the amount of hours that I would put into something was never about the paycheck in my life, was never about my title. And unfortunately, the current generation worries way more about their title than the job that they are doing. They think that a title is more important than um, the job. And I was not raised that way. I was raised the job is more important than the title. Don't worry about what title they're giving you. Can you do the job? Are you doing the job? And then the third thing that, because I was thinking about this, Netta, and I, the um, third thing that I think was very important for me as a female, my father taught me to never lie and to be kind. And then the next thing was to always make sure that you're treating everyone the same. So at Paramount Pictures, there was a streets. We literally had a man that swept the streets when I started working there. He, there was not a machine street sweeper. This was a human being that swept the streets. Richard was his name. I treated Richard the same as I treated the president of television, as I treated the president of the network. I always treated every crew member the same. And I think for that reason... Because one of the first things that uh, Ruth Carpenter, who I went to Paramount to work for, taught me, she says, honey, she says, you're in a business where you're going to make great money and you're going to spend great money. But you will see that one day you're the street sweeper and tomorrow you might be the president. In our, in, in, at least in the entertainment business, you never know who's going to be your boss. One day they might be, you know, a crew member for you, and the next day they might be the producer of the show. So I think those were the key things that helped me at such a young age. I didn't go into it with an ego. I went into it uh, wanting to work so very hard and to make sure that whatever project or task I was given, I completed. But I completed it with honesty, with kindness, and with that work ethic that... Well, we used it in the Young American, make it work. There, there were never any excuses in my vocabulary. The word no never entered my vocabulary, never entered my day. And uh, at the end of 32 years, I can honestly say I never lied, I never stole, I never cheated. And I treated my crew every day uh, in television. I made them brownies. I hugged them. I thanked them. I made them feel worthy. I made, like I said, street sweeper feel as worthy as the president. And I think that's lacking in society today, not just in the entertainment business, but in our world with the current youth, the, their lack of work ethic is horrendous in my opinion. The way that they will fabricate a story so that they might look better is sad and you know the dishonesty well if i don't you know i don't if i don't fess up to this then uh maybe i'll get you know they're gonna like me more or i'll get promoted that was never ever ever how i conducted my life and i think that's the number one reason why i was hired back um uh someone wanted to hire me because they knew they were going to have someone coming to work being happy being positive and taking good care of them, but in return, never, ever 
even imagining, you know, the word backstabbing or, uh, you know, you think some, you think a work, um, one of your, what would I say, my crew members would be there for me. I knew my crew members were going to be there for me, and that's because I treated them right. So I, th- I would say, I mean, I, I, I hope I didn't tell you too much, Netta, but those were my key secrets. And then the one last one that you actually uh, reminded me about, Netta, one of the first females that was ever hired at Paramount Pictures as a unit production manager, which in the Directors Guild is the person that the cr- is responsible for the crew. It's a very difficult, it's a very hard job, very difficult job, working with the budget, working with the crew, working with all the unions. And she went on to actually produce ER. But I remember when I worked for the president of television, all of the unit production managers would have to come to that office daily for meetings. And Penny would always come into the office with a skirt on. We rode bicycles at Paramount to get along around the lot. The lot was like a streets, paved, literally paved streets. And to get from one stage to the next stage of the back lot, we all would ride bicycles. Well, Penny would get on her bicycle with a skirt, a long skirt. And one day I said, Penny, can you t- um, tell me why do you wear a skirt every day? You don't wear pants. And she looked at me and she goes, well, that's very simple, Susie. She said, for me to be effective with a union crew, which back then was basically mostly male, it was definitely a man's world in the guild at the time, she said, I cannot make them think that I think I have balls in front of my pants. And I thought, wow, that's a pretty harsh comment. What does that mean, Penny? And she said, for the men to respect me, I have to be a lady. And she's not talking about sexual preference. She's just talking about, I, I cannot try to be one of them. I need to remain true to what I am. I'm a woman. I'm a lady. And again, you know, let me rephrase that, that that does not mean sexual preference. That just means she's born a woman and for a male crew to respect her, she has to act like that. And so I took that with me throughout my career. And I always thought with her guidance, I um, watched her work with her crew. And I realized that when she was talking to her crew, when she was asking her crew to do something for her, when she was asking for reports from her crew, she didn't go into it acting like she's one of them. She's a lady. She's a woman. So I think that helped me a lot because most of my career, Netta, it was a man's world. It's always been a man's world in what I've been thrown into. Um, Talking about being 21 when I put together the dinner theater with Bill. The resort was definitely men's world. There were no females in management positions. So to have a 21-year-old bleached blonde, which I am, my hair's always been bleached blonde, a female come into a resort where there's only male management, and here I am from Hollywood, and I am working in a very small tourist town, very small community, very, very hard to get respect. Very hard to be um, listened to. And I used that same work ethic from Paramount Pictures when I went to work and when I produced this show at, at, the, um, at, at the resort. Because, again, it was, a man, you know, it was a, they call it the good old boys club. But back then, 40 years ago, it was a men's world everywhere I worked. So, you know, survival... Um, I still think today it's very simple, Meta. Kindness and honesty, treating people right, being true to yourself, um, and 
not trying to be something that you're not. Be happy and proud with the talent that you've been given. Um, not just excel at, that's not really the right word, but be happy with. Get up every morning and want to go to work. Very important part to my success. Four o'clock every morning I got up in my career, drove at least an hour and a half to work, worked 90 hours a week at Paramount Pictures. That was not easy. And so wanting to get up every morning to go do that, hmm. But you know what I did? I just smiled and I thought about those brownies that I was going to make for the crew. And I always would have kind of music playing in my office, which, you know, it's a very busy office, but you have to find ways in your own world, whatever that is, in your own workplace, maybe a couple pictures on your desk, you know. Um, I had a photo, well, here's a great story, Netta, at Paramount Pictures when I was 21 years old here in Michigan, I bought an oil painting of Harbor Point, which is here in Michigan. I know you're familiar with it, Netta. It's um, kind of like a little point that comes out in Lake Michigan. That's always where I want. I wanted to live here in Harbor all my life, but my life was in television, which meant you had to work in California or New York. But I kept that photo, that oil painting, um, to the left of my desk throughout my career. It was 32 years of my career, every day when I went to work, I'd look at that photo and I'd say, you know what? I'm going to work fairly hard. And how many years later, where do I live now, Netta? I live on Bay Street in Har you know, in Harbor Springs. And I look at that point. So find a way to always keep in the back of your mind what makes you happy and wake up with that every morning, whether it be a picture you know, um, family members, a dog or something, something that makes you happy. Susie, you've always been, um, well, ever since I met you, you've been a mentor towards me. And, and I, I really am honored to have you on the show today. And I remember you saying, um, sharing a story a couple years ago about getting the mustard right. I would oh, love for I, you to uh, share that story on the air with everyone. Sure. It's a very well-known story in the um, entertainment world now. At the time, I did not know it was, but I was very blessed, and I got to do the 10th season of Cheers. I was their production coordinator. And on that show, of course, they have the finest of finest writers in the business. And one of the writers, he was called a punch-up writer, and he would be brought in just once a week on a television show to punch the script up. And he was a, the, the top of what he did, just such a, a talented man. And on Cheers, um, the production was set up a little bit differently than some of the other television shows. And the production assistants normally report to my position, but on Cheers, our offices were in different places. And so I wasn't with the production assistants the entire time. And I got a phone call from the writer's office that I needed to come to the writer's office to... Uh, basically let go one of their production assistants and that had never happened in my career and I had not trained this young man normally I do but this one I had not so I went to the writer's office and, and he said Susie I'm so sorry but you have we just have to let this young man go and I said why are we letting this young man go and he says well he couldn't get my mustard right so I kind of looked at Bob and I said, he didn't get your mustard right. And what it was is a very simple lesson, but a lesson that you're right, Netta, I, I teach every production assistant since this lesson that I learned. In uh, production, in television and in features, your writers write the script. 
and that is your show. That's quote the Bible, and therefore your writers are your writers and your stars are revered. That they're of course the, you know, the meat and potatoes of the show, and every day a production assistant normally takes a meal order from the writers, and. I always teach the production assistants, when you go in there, you don't just mentally remember it. You take a pad of paper in, you write down, Bob Ellison wants, and Bob, what did you want? And you, okay, every Wednesday on Cheers, they would go to this deli, same deli, and Bob always got the same sandwich. Well, the production assistant probably said, Bob, what do you want? Well, I want a... Um, pastrami on rye, and I want Dijon mustard, let's say. And the production assistant should have written all of that down. A pastrami on rye bread with Dijon mustard. Well, three times in a row, this production assistant never got the mustard right on the sandwich. So when Bob said to me, I'm really sorry, Susie, we've got to let this young man go, he said, if he can't get the mustard right on my sandwich, how will he ever get my, my script right or his script right? Therefore, I'm not choosing to invest any more time in this young man if he doesn't care anymore about the mustard on my sandwich. And I remember going back to my office because I was in such shock that we had to let someone go. And when I drove home that day, I thought, Bob is so right. If, if in life in your job or your life, whatever daily tasks you're doing, you don't pay attention to the simplest details, then the big detail is not going to happen, and or it won't happen correctly. And it's a very simple lesson, Netta, but it's a lesson, again, that this current generation does not get that they need to get the mustard right. It's such a simple lesson, Netta, but it's such an important lesson in life. You have to listen and you have to pay attention to detail and you have to make sure that there's nothing too little <laughs> that you think is little that yet is very important in getting the big picture right. So yes, the Get the Mustard Right story, I'm happy to hear that it's helped you, Netta, and I know in my heart everyone that I share that with or teach that with, I think that they take it with them in their career and it helps them. Susie, thank you so much for talking with us. I, I'm captivated every time you speak because I just feel like there's so much knowledge that comes from you. I feel like a sponge. I soak it all up. I really, really appreciate you talking with us today. Well, Netta, thank you for that because I think that also is something that the current generation, sometimes they don't, I think, realize the value of learning from those who have done and that also was something that I was, um, my parents were so strong in making sure that if you are so lucky to be around someone that has made that cake, then what, and you're able to watch them make that cake, well, aren't you blessed? And that is truly why my career has been so blessed, Netta, because I was around people that knew how to make those cakes, and my parents trained me to watch them and listen. And so thank you, Netta, for caring enough to share this message with um, others that are reading or listening to your site to, to get started in their careers or, or to be better people. Or It's a great thing to ask questions. And it's a great thing to be vulnerable enough to say, 
I don't know that answer. Can you help me with that? Every day, even at 60 years old, I still learn something about business and I still learn something about people and I will never go to bed at night thinking I have all the answers because once you do, you've shut the doors to, you know, your life. So keep the doors open. That is a great way to end the show. Thank you again, Susie. You're welcome. That's it for our show today. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to connect, you can follow us on Twitter at Rise Up For You, or you can check out our website at www.riseupforyou.com. Lastly, we'd love your help in spreading the word, so please subscribe to our podcast, leave us a little review, and share with the people around you. Rise Up For You, be better today than yesterday, and prepare for a greater tomorrow. Tomorrow.